Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza Power! That's right, when Super Giant Pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Pizza time. Welcome back to Pixel Pizza. We are back after a one-week hiatus for vacation. This is your DJ host, Jared, and we are back. And I am very excited to be speaking with this week's guest. You just heard a track from him, and it is off the new album, Level Select. And the track, it was the title track, Level Select, from our guest, accomplished composer, channeling the PS1 Dreamcast era. Very excited. And he goes by Pizza Hotline. His name is Harvey Jones. How you doing, Harvey? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Lovely to be here and good to be invited on. Thanks. Absolutely. So glad we could work this out. So I like to start off my show, you've listened to the show, you would know this, uh, by asking when in your life did you know you wanted to do, I guess for you, like game adjacent stuff? Um, that's a good question. You mean game adjacent music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's probably around the time, uh, quite late, so like I was like 26, 27, um, 28 now. So <laughs> it was quite recent, actually. Oh, wow. Um, but I was very young when I started making music. But um, uh, yeah, it was it was very recent that I that I realized that I wanted to make video game inspired music. But I've been yeah, as I said, I've been making music for a long time. I think I've been making music for since I was about 14, 13. Some people are like, oh, I was playing the piano when I was one. But that wasn't me. I wasn't really, <laughs> I wasn't really into music when I was really young i didn't really care about it at all i didn't think i'd enjoy it and then i think i was about 13 and i bought an album on cd i bought the gorilla's first album oh uh, yeah such a great one with the jeep on the front it's amazing yeah. isn't it and um i think a lot of people my age are you the same age as me i'm one year older 29 cool so you would have been around when it was released yeah. um so yeah a lot of people our age um were probably introduced to I guess I'll call it semi-electronic music um, through that album. Um, or I guess you could call it electronic music. It's or it's semi, let's say. Um, and uh, yeah, I was about thirteen when I when I bought that from Sainsbury's. It's a <laughs> a boring old supermarket we have in the UK. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I realised I liked music in general. Because uh, before then, I didn't really care about it, which is funny, isn't it? Um, yeah. And then uh, when I uh, and I've always been a huge video gamer. But um, when I was about 21, video games kind of went into the background when I, when I became seriously obsessed with music and I got really into uh, electronic music, like dance music and parties and DJing and stuff. And um, video games just took a huge backseat in my life and I kind of stopped playing them for a bit. 
And then when I was about 25, six, seven, that's when I started to get back into video games in a massive way. And that is when I realized I wanted to make video game, music, video game, sound, sound design, and kind of explore the amazing synergy that sound and video games have with each other. Absolutely. Awesome. Was, was that like a pandemic inspired thing where you started to get back into games? <laughs> yeah. Was it, was it pandemic inspired? Definitely the pandemic helped it. Um, I went to a friend's house and they just bought a switch. I think it was before the pandemic mm -hmm. and it was just in the corner, like buzzing away. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, oh my God, I used to, I, can I swear? No, I shouldn't swear, oh. but I was about to, <laughs> I used to friggin' love games. And I just saw that thing and I, I looked at it and like, as I was looking at it, I had this crazy rush of memories from like just my life of how much I enjoyed games. And I'd completely forgotten about how much I loved them. And I turned to my girlfriend, I was like, should we get one of those? And she was like, yeah, right. And then, <laughs> so we bought a switch and, um, it wasn't really the mainstream AAA games on the switch that kind of got me into games in a very extreme way. It was more the indie games. Oh yeah. Cause they're a bit more realistic in terms of like, Oh, maybe I could try getting involved with making some of this one day, you know, with AAA games, they seem so intangible. They Absolutely. seem like they're made from a made by a bunch of aliens who are like so skilled <laughs> that don't even they're not even human, you know. So, um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I've really got into the indie games on the Switch and and and, and the sounds in those. Um, but yeah, definitely pandemic led. And my album was made exclusively in the pandemic, and as a result of the pandemic, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, have you on the Switch? Have you played Anodyne too? No. What oh, that is, that? is exactly a game that you would enjoy. It was okay. It's a sequel to an 8 bit game, but it's done in like a PS1 free roaming style. And it's. Oh, wow. I'm just looking at some screenshots. That yes. looks like a stunner. I've seen this. I've seen this, you know, like, you know, surfing the, the, the eShop. Yeah. Surfing through the piles of junk they have on there. Not that I'm saying now, this is junk. It's, it's hard like, to filter. It's the popularity of the system is great, but it's just it can get tough without like word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, it can. And and this is what I need actually. Anodyne. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna write this down. Um, I'm gonna check that out. Um, I love I love the look of it. Yeah, it's great. You know, um, this game called um, uh, Anodyne Two, isn't it? This game called Shadow Man. Uh yeah, yeah. The the yeah that was like yeah the old game. It's yeah, the old game. I think that's just recently come to the Switch. Yeah, it's I got it so badly. Um, but I love, I love it. It has buckets of character. Oh, and for the sure. sounds great. And yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna check this Anodyne game out. Thank you very much. No problem. Yeah. So I think a question that I have specifically for you, getting into that more now, is that what do you think makes that kind of late '90s jungle drum and bass sound? still resonate with people now today <clears throat> that yeah it's a good question that um it is very fashionable at the moment uh or maybe fashionable isn't the right word um let me just put my phone on silent it's buzzing um it's it's definitely come back around and i've kind of been plugged in to the well at least the uk music electronic music scene for the last 10 years uh quite plugged in and i've seen at least from my perspective the last 
five years has been very house and techno led. Mm-hmm. And it's only the last two years where breakbeat era style music has come back into the underground mainstream. Um, at least that's my perspective. Everyone has their own perspective, especially with tailored news feeds these days. But um, what makes it like, do you know, one of the things that I, I think is that because it was in this style of music was in a lot of video games, there's people who are mine in your age at the moment who are just starting to like get to that age where we really want to re-explore our teen years. Oh, yeah. um, and I think that's, for me, that's the appeal. That's what's brought me into it. And I think maybe a lot of other people are feeling that way, like the 90s liquid jungle type of thing. Um, it was around when I was a kid. I heard it so much, but I just didn't understand what it was. And now I'm revisiting this style of music with new, fresh ears, with a bit more knowledge and hearing things that I didn't really understand before. And that's a, a pleasurable thing, I guess. And maybe there's other people who are into it. Um, but as for the reason that it's pouring into the electronic music mainstream, I'm not too sure. Yeah, maybe it is kind of nostalgia. Maybe it is. I definitely agree when they're, you go back to stuff that you enjoyed as a kid or just sort of kind of went over your head and going mm. into it with a more informed perspective. It can be totally. really interesting to dig into. Yeah, that's that's totally right. And actually what you said reminded me of something I heard on this podcast called Retro Notes. I'm not sure if you heard Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeremy Parrish. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, great podcast. And I think he said, he's really funny. He was like, on one episode, he's like, you know, we've been stuck in a weird 80s nostalgia vortex for the last 25 years. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've mentioned that on another interview I've done, but it's just something that resonates with me. And uh, one of my favorite music makers of all time is called Soishi. Tirada. He did the soundtrack for Ape Escape. Oh, sure. And uh, he said once that uh, it's always this 20 year loop of what happened 20 years ago is always in fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're just getting to that time where we're heading into 2020, uh, 20, the 2020s. And the noughties seem just that far enough away to seem rose tinted and interesting, probably more interesting, interesting than it was at the time. Right. And, you know, like they say, like in the noughties, the 80s was big. And in the 2010s, the 90s was big. I, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about this kind of stuff, but it's an interesting insight regardless. And maybe that's what's happening. I, I just, yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. I hadn't heard that before, but I can totally see it now. And so also in regards to interviews you had done, I heard one where you were talking about sort of the process behind your latest album, Level Select. And you mentioned that you did a lot of research into old games and particularly kind of lost and forgotten ones that had that sound you were looking for. And I was wondering if there were any particular ones that, you know, people haven't really heard of that inspired you. Totally. Yeah. There's, there's the obvious ones, which I won't mention. Um, but yeah, I've actually, yeah, there's some real, real, really amazing ones. And, and the research I was doing, I didn't even realize at the time it was actually research. It was just, well, me looking for music. Um, um, but, you know, retro- retrospectively, that was me researching it, I guess. But um, to give it that word makes it seem bore- more boring, doesn't it? <laughs> but um, uh, So I, I was digging on this website called Zofar's Domain. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah, you know, whoever Zofar is, they are an, an absolute legend because... Oh, yeah. They're cataloging all of this otherwise lost music. There's another website that does it too, 
but I, I, I prefer Zofar's domain. And I was digging on there for music. Um, and I was also digging on YouTube, but not all of it's on YouTube. And I think that's one of the reasons it really excited me because a lot of it feels lost and mysterious. And, you know, oh. we all like a mystery. And like, we all like things that we can't have human beings love things that they can't have um i get especially if you're a man as men seem to be like that <laughs> um and um uh i built this uh youtube playlist on youtube and it was just you know people build playlists of music they like and i just called it level select because i had this idea mm-hmm. i had this romantic idea that like uh there is this functional music that at the time was purely built as a function, as something just to fill a gap. But now when we look back, we look at this music and we think, wow, that's really cool. And not only is it cool, it is like a blueprint for very important music that came after it. So I'm talking about electronic music or electronic dance music. And I got that originally from the Bomberman Hero soundtrack. I listened to that and went, God damn it, there's some really important ideas here in this like, early jungle, early drum and bass stuff. And same for Ape Escape. Those are the obvious ones. So I dug and dug and dug and I built this playlist and it's called, you can find it on YouTube. I think what you have to type in is, um, it's, it's private and it's on my other channel, but you can find it. You type in Harvey Jones level select. Mm. I think you'll find it. Um, I'm just going to look for it now. I'll see if and, I can um, to that in the description, listeners. Yeah, definitely. So there's 170 tunes on it. Mm. And I built this playlist over the course of a year. And it is just full of stuff that is basically my sonic mood board for what I then made into an album. Um, and some of my favorites um, are, um, there's this game called Sheep Raider. Um, it's like a Looney Tunes game, I think. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, PS1. In the States, it was called Sheep Raider. Uh-huh. Um, but in, in PAL territory, it was called Sheep Dog and Wolf. Sheep, dog, and wolf. Um, and you play as Wiley Coyote and you have to steal sheep from this sheep dog. And the music oh, is. Uh, I hate to be yeah. like <laughs> that chugger, but yeah. I'm a super huge Looney Tunes nerd. That was oh. my favorite thing growing up. And that was not Wiley Coyote. That was his cousin, Ralph Wolf. And no way. Wolf always had the way less interesting cartoons than Wiley Coyote. And the only difference Why? between them visually is like, Ralph has a red nose. Wiley Coyote has a br- black nose. <laughs> oh my god! I never knew. That's so. Why on why in God's name did they make a? I have no movie? idea. That was. Do you reckon they didn't want to tarnish the reputation of their famous, <laughs> otherwise famous kind of cartoon character? I thought, why don't we just make a different one? Right. That's, that's for the B team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. No, I love that kind of fact checking. Now I can drop that on someone uh, <laughs> uh, one day. That's so cool. So yeah, um, you play as Ralph, Ralph the Wolf, um, Ralph Wolf, and the music is superb. It's it's um, it's kind of like jazzy, liquidy jazz. Drum. It's like early drum and bass. It doesn't really sound like it knows where it is in terms of style. Um, it's super raw, but it's it's very well made and very well put together. So check that one out, Sheep Raider or um, Sheep Dog and Wolf. I think on YouTube it's under Sheep Raider. Um, there is uh, another one uh, called um, it's a fishing game <laughs> called Big Old Bass. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Big old bass. Um, and the, that's really basic sounding, dry, almost like some of it's a bit obnoxious, to be honest with you, but the ideas are very pure. 
um, in terms of drum and bass. And I love, I love the album. It's really cool. Some of them are very obnoxious. So you'll have to do a lot of track skipping, but um, you can find that one online. Um, probably one of my favorites is this Dreamcast game called Mac and X. Um, oh, yeah, and- yeah, yeah. That was like a, a, an Atlas game. It is, yeah. And I believe it's, I don't, I don't know. Shin, is it Shin Megami Tensei? Yeah. It's in that universe, isn't it? It's yeah. Like Shout out to them. Derek Bittner. I just watched his retrospective on Shin Megami Tensei and like every single game and spinoff and tangentially oh, wow. game. And that's where I learned about that game. Why, why, why? Okay. Well, you should play it. It's super cool. It's a first person sword fighting game and it is an absolute nightmare to control because you've only got one analog stick on the Dreamcast. Um, but it's a really interesting game with some very like pure ideas and like it's very ambitious for what it is. And the sound and the sound design and the, the menus look gorgeous. It all, the, the design of it in a holistic sense is stunning like it's all very homogenous as in like the menus look like the way they sound and like the levels have the music sounds like the way the levels look and it's just great i love the whole style of that game and um you can grab the soundtrack it's pretty available online um but there's some like amazing drum bass with like rock like rock guitars and like it's just it's different it's really really different but then there's some ambient stuff and the whole soundtrack is stunning. I love it. Um, his, there's another one called Suzuki All-Star Racing. Uh, I think that was on the PS2 and the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. And that game is like famously dread, dreadful. Um, right. <laughs> but the soundtrack is like early Psytrance or Goa Trance, um, which, is, which is really cool. Um, and then uh, another one I'd recommend people check out is called Wetrix. W-E-T-R-I-X. It was on the N64 and the Dreamcast. And it's a aquaphysics like early aquaphysics based puzzle game and the soundtrack is like really cool acid music it's a bit like apex twin stuff oh yeah um, i really love that's a great soundtrack that is but you'll find all of this music in the youtube playlist that i made great so yeah those, those are the ones i'd recommend yeah and so you know in addition to the sound of the album you've also tried to uh, bring back physically what it used to be like, where you've released Level Select now on PS1 discs, Dreamcast discs, the cassette tapes. And I was <laughs> curious which of those has been the most popular and which were you first like, I need to have it in this format. <laughs> yeah, um, I have to thank uh, uh, Tony from City Man Productions. So that's the label that I released uh and a level select on initially um he's a, a great guy and he's just such a an ambitious chap like he is the one who inspired me to say like why don't we release it on all these funky formats he was like the concept is about video games why don't we do some video game style physical media mm. and from there we just kind of spitballed you know what we should do and we kind of exhausted everything um, <laughs> and he so it was the cassettes first and they went really well and then it was the playstation the pal ps1 cases with um tony even like went that extra mile and found the black bottom cds uh sorry black bottom discs i'm not sure if you had those in the states did you have those i'm pretty sure we did like in in the uk um or in europe all of the ps1 games or most of them had a black bottom cd mm-hmm. And he managed to find a a, distri- uh, a, um, a duplicator that would make those, um, and he, and those those were seriously popular, very 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 popular. Um, 
and then we did the um the dreamcast ones we did uh, orange swirl people and blue swirl people i'm a blue swirl person because i love i love the i don't know i like blue but in the states you had an orange swirl right right um, and so we did two different types. Those were, those were pretty popular. And then after that, he did uh, Sega Mega Drive, or as you call it, Sega Genesis. Um, Sega Wait, Mega Drive. play on that? Sorry? The album could play on a, a Mega Drive? <laughs> I wish. Um, I love, I'll, I'll have to explain. So it was just a Genesis box oh. in where the cartridge is. But it fits so perfectly; it would blow your mind how similar the the sizes are of a cassette and a and a Genesis cartridge. <laughs> it just fits in there gorgeously. So they're just kind of mock boxes, but with all professional layouts, and they look really great with a manual, with like exclusive artwork in the manual uh, artwork that was exclusive to that particular release. So yeah, Tony killed it, and he's just. An amazing guy and he continues to do more and more video game themed physical releases on his label and they're so popular but i'd probably say the most popular out of all of them was the ps um the ps1 discs mm -hmm. i think i think although some people have been putting up the genesis ones on bank on discogs for some stupid prices <laughs> i hope people aren't paying that because i i hate the thought of someone not being able to have something because it's too much you know like especially when it's like fundamentally a piece of plastic but yeah you know i I'm, imagine I'm a bit... kind of uh, you must feel conflicted because like on one hand if people are charging that much for your work that's pretty flattering but yeah on the other hand it's ridiculous and price gouging and all that stuff sucks <laughs> yeah i mean i'm so on the i'm so I, I bat for both sides with all of this stuff like i'm a i'm a collector i collect physical games i sometimes will spend like you know 30 40 quid on an old game very occasionally um, which is a lot for an old game in my opinion sure. um you know because i can't resist that urge <laughs> and um i'm not like a crazy collector but i have been known to like chuck some money on a game sometimes old games really um and, but then at the same time i don't want people to not have my music so but yeah it's super flattering as well and i'm not so yeah i'm it's conflicting as you said it's so flattering i've never had this before with my music but um it's just cool but the thing is is just because it's up there for that price doesn't necessarily mean people want to pay it but um yeah it's very flattering and but i want to i'm going to do more releases in the future and i don't really want to have this limited edition attitude really i want to have uh the physical formats just available at all times for whoever yeah. wants to buy them um because that'll hopefully keep the secondhand prices low and they the pro the products won't be prohibitive the price won't be prohibitive um, for people oh yeah that that would be great and mm. yeah so a follow-up question you mentioned that this was like your first album to really catch on like this when did you really start to see the groundswell of interest for this album it was um it was so when it came out it came out on city man productions and then that was just on Bandcamp. And then I'm a massive promoter. Like I will just in my own time, just go crazy with trying to reach as many people as possible and trying to like get my stuff in front of as many people. Uh, I'm, I'm the opposite of shy. I'm just like, listen to this, check it out. Brother. And I emailed 4am breaks. I'm not sure if you checked out the YouTube, YouTube channel. That no, I like to. Uh, so the, um, 
there's a YouTube, cha- YouTube channel called 4AM Breaks, the number four and then AM Breaks. And they just specialize specifically in this kind of 90s, noughties, liquid drum and bass sound specifically um and the whole channel is just that and nothing but that and it's a great channel it's wonderfully curated and the guy who uh runs it i think his name's bob he lives in the states he makes music he makes really good music and i just emailed him and said what do you think of this um i actually made a music video and i just chopped up loads of existing gameplay from games that inspired the album and um it's an hour long and I just chopped it up with some funky effects. I don't know anything about video editing, really. I just made it over two evenings over Christmas and um, <laughs> sent him the video. And he was like, yeah, I like it. I'll put it up. And the album went, um, it went really, really well on there. Um, it's, that's, that's where I noticed the crazy interest with that video specifically. That's great. Yeah. You reached out, took a risk and it, it worked out. Yeah, felt it was yeah, it was amazing. He was great to put that out actually, um, and the, yeah, the, it's done so many great things for me having it on that channel because people trust that channel's uh, curation, I guess. Yeah, I will definitely check them out if it's more stuff like yours. Oh, this honestly, it will blow your mind how much stuff's on there, and and it's all stuff that's not very well known. Like he just finds, he digs, and he finds amazing stuff, and a lot of it is video game themed. Um, Oh, I'm just looking at it now. There's so, so many gems on there. I, I I love every video he puts out. I listen to it religiously. Mm. Um, I'm a huge fan of the channel. So check it out. Whoever's listening, 4 a.m. breaks on YouTube. Absolutely. I'll, I'll remember. I'll make a note to put, put that in the description too. Uh, all right. So I think this is about the time in the episode to go to our musical break. And there's going to be another track from Pizza Hotline, and this one is called Emotion Engine. So enjoy that, listeners, and we will see you soon.
Welcome back to Pixel Pizza. You just listened to Emotion Engine by our guest, Pizza Hotline, a.k.a. Harvey Jones. Or should that be the other way around? I don't know. Anyway, we are back, and I want to start up again with another recurring question that I enjoy asking, which is, what is something about your personal process, your creative process, that nobody knows? Ah, <laughs> so if I tell you, everyone will know. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not very secretive with that stuff like that. What is, um, oh, uh, I, hmm, I can't think of anything that nobody knows. Oh, all right. Hmm. Well, then maybe not something that nobody knows, but something you feel like is unique to you, something kind of idiosyncratic. Mm. Um, well, I mean, it's a really obvious one and it's quite a boring answer, but I I use so many sound effects from video games. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have so many, I have folders and folders and folders of sound effects from my favorite games um, that I try and sneak in wherever I can. Um, and um, it's quite an obvious thing. I mean, people hear it a lot, but it's really nice when I sometimes put one in and I think to myself, ah, that's the sound of a chaff grenade from Metal Gear Solid 1. That's a very specific <laughs> sound. I'm not sure if you remember that sound. Uh, vaguely, Metal Gear is like my favorite series. I can't remember. I can remember many sound effects. I can remember like the item pickup sound effects and oh, yeah. the alerts. And I, I don't know. I would have to hear that one again specifically. Yeah, and when you hear it, you'll know. It sounds a bit like uh, a, a, a flock of digital flies. It's very good. It's like dancing pixels. It sounds like it's amazing. Anyway, so like I'll put something like that in and then like 
on a YouTube comment, someone will be like, they'll put a timestamp, right? Zero colon two nine. <laughs> Chaff grenade for Marcus Solid One. And I just, <laughs> that is the most amazing thing when people are able to know the reference with something that is otherwise like quite niche. Yeah. Um, and that just is really the kind of thing that gets, gets me up in the morning. Like <laughs> when I hear that. And I think I got that from um, Burial. There's a, a UK artist called Burial. I don't know if you know him. Mm-hmm. Um, he puts a lot of Metal Gear Solid, specifically Metal Gear Solid sounds in his music. Um, you'll hear just like the sound of like uh, bullet shells falling just very gently in the background. And oh. your ears will prick up and you'll be like, oh, I know where that's from. Right. <laughs> but it's definitely not unique to me, but it's something that I think is you know kind of interesting i guess yeah that's super interesting uh i mean even sort of going back to that era hideki naganuma used so many different samples and jet set radio and stuff and people are still pointing out like where they came from and uh, oh wow yeah and you're you're a big fan of jet set radio oh yeah for sure because you are DJ, are you G- DJ Jet Set? Is that that's right. Mean? That's right. DJ oh. Jet Set. That's what they oh. call me sometimes. Or I'm trying to get them to call me. <laughs> <laughs> and is that when you do radio shows? Uh, yeah, a bit. Super cool. I love it. It's a great name. It's a great. Name. It's a good game. Good Dreamcast game. Yeah, because now my last name is starts with E T T. So J E T T is where I got it. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I know your work was also recently featured in print in the Sega Powered magazine. How did that come about? Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Um, So, um, sorry, I just barely might have to edit that out. Okay. (laughs) I didn't hear it. it Oh, good. Good. I shouldn't have said anything. Um, So, Sega Powered magazine, I think it's Sega Power or Sega Powered. I I could not figure that out. Yeah, it's Sega. It's powered. Oh, with an ED. Okay. I think so. Yeah, it's a UK uh, Sega themed magazine, and uh, they are they they are in print. They they just put out their latest issue. Uh, it's a virtual fighter themed issue, and yeah, they, they they it does what it says on the tin that everything's Sega. So they cover all Sega consoles. It's like a retro gaming mag, really, um, but they do some modern stuff too, and they also cover. Um, modern developers making old game, making games for old systems, which oh. is really something I'm very interested in because um, I'm a big Dreamcast player and and yeah, oh. whatever. So um, how did that come about? I emailed them. Uh, I emailed. I just I, I I I bought the magazine. I was a reader of the magazine, and they're quite an old school style mag. So like you get to the back and it'll say something like, "Want to get in touch." You know, it doesn't have a like a postal address like it would have in the 90s, but like it has an email. And I just emailed this guy called Dean and said, um, uh, I wanted to make it relevant to Sega because my album has like a massive PlayStation controller on, on the cover. So I, right. <laughs> I felt like it might be irrelevant in that respect. So I was like, oh, we're doing Sega Mega Drive cases. We're doing Dreamcast cases. Do you want to cover it in the magazine? And he replied the same day and was just like, yeah, I'd love to cover that. That sounds great. So I sent them all the, the, the photos of the, the, like the product photos and they, they featured me and it was just amazing. And I got a copy and I just, it blew my mind. Um, you can see it on my Twitter. I think the pinned post or the pinned tweet on my Twitter is like a video of me opening 
the mag showing kind of where it is. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Super, super privileged for that to have happened. Um, but again, it's just me being an addictive, uh, email, emailer. Like I just email everyone. Like I, when the album came out, I, I have another alias where I make techno music and I've been doing that for a long time and I have some contacts because of that. And, um, I woke up one morning when the when Level Select came out and I spent a whole Sunday, I mean a whole Sunday, like from like 10 in the morning to like six, like a working day's worth of work, um, emailing people and just saying, oh, do you want to check this out? Like I emailed like all these re review sites and like, you know, like Pitchfork, like stuff like that, but not as big. Mm -hmm. And nobody got back to me. <laughs> Which is, is what- I know what that's what, like, that's reaching out yeah. to for the show. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I'm sure you get a lot of that. And that's just what real life is like Yeah. because people are busy. People might not be interested in what you have to say, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I managed to get, you know, my stuff in front of a few people, but, you know, for every 20 emails you send, you get one back as I'm sure, you know, if yeah. that, right. so like, um, I just kind of like people to know how like the realism behind promoting your own stuff. It's, it's tough. But yeah, it, um, when it happens, it's so yeah. juicy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when it pulls off, it's amazing. I've like gotten out of my chair and <laughs> cheered when <laughs> I find <laughs> some kind of response. Yeah. I was actually super delighted for you to, when you emailed me because I'm the one usually emailing people, you know. Um, so it yeah. was really nice. No, I usually, uh, I what I do is for, for artists is I like, I go on Bandcamp and there are like certain keywords I'll use like chiptune or video game music and just find as many cool people as I can. And there's luckily a lot on there. And oh, yeah. So, I've never, I mean, that's an obvious thing to do, but I've, I've always found the Bandcamp search algorithm quite weird. It's, oh yeah. I don't know. I, it never finds what I want, but maybe I should search more things like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, how, I have interest. How did you find me? Uh, yeah, it was that, it was that form format. Okay, cool. Interesting. Cause most people find me through this YouTube video. I'm just surprised that you didn't because <laughs> that seems to be the one thing that people see anyway. Um, great. Amazing to be here. For sure. So I know you also, you've done shows live, but I saw on your Twitter, this is really interesting. You performed a set in VR chat and I wanted to know more about that. Like, how did you get involved with that? What's it like? Yeah. Um, that was awesome. So cool. Um, it's this, this guy who runs a company called tube VR T U B E. Mm -hmm. He lives in Brighton, which is a city South of London. And he just messaged me on Instagram and said, do you want to do a VR? Um, do you want to do a VR gig? And I was like, what in God's name is that? <laughs> like I had an idea of what it might be. And I was like, oh yeah, of course that exists. You know, we're in, we're in this world we live in. And of course that's a thing. I just never heard of it. Right. I guess VR is quite a, a small, like a, a closed space. If you don't have it, then you don't know much about it. Maybe I, right. Yeah. I, I, I'm not fed much by the algorithms that decide what we look at these days. I'm not fed much VR content by those. So therefore I don't know much about it, but I'm super interested in it, but I haven't really gone into it before because of money, but also because I have a, a girlfriend and a baby and like, I feel like it's quite an insular activity. Okay. Um, but I want to get it since I've done this gig. So the way it worked is he messaged me and said, um, you know, do you want to do, do you want to do a set? I run it. He basically runs a club night 
that is every two weeks. It's called Tube VR. You should check it out. You don't have to have VR to see it. You can see the club on Twitch live. That's streamed. So it's like a, a kind of a shot shots of the club and you can listen to the music. But if you want to be there and be in a first person perspective and have control of your limbs, obviously, and stuff, and you can dance, you need to have VR equipment. Um, so I didn't have any of that. Um, but I DJed from my room. I had like a controller. I usually DJ uh, uh, mixed records, but I didn't have my turntable set up. And I don't have much of this music on vinyl, actually. But um, <clears throat> I um, I borrowed like a controller from a friend and I, I mixed some, some, some stuff. Um, and it was amazing. He just kind of said, you know, at 10 o'clock, I want you to go live. I just streamed it over OBS to him to like a special URL. And um, I could see the club like dancing to my music, uh, all these avatars of like um, people and stuff like that. Um, I think there's like, I think they have a max cap of 80 people per club because any more than that, and it would just crash it because there's far too much rendering that needs to happen. And everyone's, I I guess it's a super precarious thing because everyone's together in this game. And like, if there's any more than 80 people um, and apparently VR chat, the soft, is it a software VR chat? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, apparently it's it's very poorly optimized um, um yeah I, I guess maybe there's not like the mega mega bucks in vr yet maybe um sure. from a consumer level because because vr chat's like a free service as i understand it um but in five or ten years money will just pour into it the, the more convenient vr gets and the cheaper it gets the more money will get put in and you know i'm sure in 10 years they'll be like the most unbelievable vr club nights that we've ever seen um it will be so cool but um it was a great experience it really blew my mind it was relatively chilled out because i was just in my bedroom on my own with the lights off um with music playing but i did feel like i was there and it was really really cool i I would definitely do it again and i'd recommend anyone to go to one or just to watch one um i think tube vr is the biggest one there is like they, they do the most events and they're the biggest events apparently um so yeah just i'm sure you'll find them with a quick google yeah i've i have a mac so it's off limits for me for getting in there but i definitely want to see it live on twitch yeah. i think i'm a mac too so i had to watch on twitch but yeah d- definitely just even watch it it's just interesting and you can chat um you know on the twitch thing so oh cool so i mean moving forward have you ever or in the past been given the opportunity or request to work on like a proper game because i think that would be such a cool next step yeah that is that is exactly what i want to happen next really that's my uh it's something i've been trying to do for a long time actually um i did i have worked on a few games uh in the past oh. um i worked i made the sounds uh, I made the I did the sound design and the soundtrack for two games, but they're very, they were independent Android um, phone apps, um, and that was just over Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was called Bunny Hop. I don't think it exists anymore. I think it's gone from there, sadly. And I made the music for that. This is when I was a student. This was like five years ago, maybe. Um, way before i was making this sort of music Mm -hmm. um i'll see if it's on there actually have a look bunny hop it was called doesn't look like it i think it's gone yeah i thought it was gone i looked a couple of years ago bunny hop fight yeah i haven't heard from yeah i think it's gone sadly um and then i made another one called dare to cross and i don't think that's on there either 
Mm. Um, and it was a clone. It was a re- it was it was quite a crappy clone of. Um, no, that's not on there either. It doesn't look like it. It was a clone of um, like Frogger. You remember Frogger? Just Crossy Road. And um, I did the sound and the music for that as well. And that was just like a student making a game and needed some music. And I found them on Facebook. I think there was this Facebook um, page called Game Developers Seeking Sound uh, Music. And it was just a, a meeting place for people. And I was obsessed with it when I was a student. I really wanted to work on video game music and i probably worked on maybe six or seven games but only two of them came out and then that was when i realized for indie developers there's like a high uh, the, the success rate is low which i can completely empathize with because making a game is not a straightforward thing um but yeah so it's dare to cross and bunny hop but I, I i'd love to work on like the soundtrack for like a futuristic racer or like like wipeout oh, or something yeah. that would be amazing yeah or any kind of like modern low poly game would be interesting mm-hmm. um i've put a few feelers out i've emailed a few people but with no no success yet but i'm um, fingers crossed that you know I, I kind of get some interest or someone i get an email one day and i just i would jump at that opportunity i really really would oh yeah have you heard of one of my previous guests, uh, Marcus Siatro? No. Oh, yeah. He he does a lot of low poly N64 type of stuff. I don't know if he's looking for a composer. He's worked with a few, but I, 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 would, I would try to hook you guys up because I feel like yeah. a perfect match. That would be amazing. How do I, um, I'll make a note of the name. How do I spell his name? Uh, his name is Marcus Horn. And his game developer name is Siactro, S-I-A-C-T-R-O. Fantastic. And I can just find him on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. I will look him up. That's cool. Yeah. Anything like that would just blow my mind, you know, to work on something like that. And to do this, like, I love doing sound design as well, because I've, I've worked as a sound designer for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Making like sound libraries and um I've done freelance work for like, you know, adverts, sound design and, mm-hmm. and like, um, yeah, like, like I've done linear media, uh, quite a lot of linear media, but just not much non-linear media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I'm sure it's different, but I'm sure having done, done it in some form would be helpful in getting a leg up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, aside from that, where do you sort of, see your music going from here um i'm working on my second album right now great um i'm working at the same time i'm working on a lot of collabs with people who've got in touch um which is exciting uh i've had to limit who i'm working with because i've uh i can't take on too much at the moment uh, Mm. because just it's just life (laughs) but um and my job and stuff but um i I want to develop, I had, so I had another alias um, and that other alias I've worked on for like five years, maybe longer. And it's been going great. Um, The alias is L Choop. If anyone's interested, it's E-L space C-H-O-O-P. And Mm -hmm. I make like, I I make like deep techno kind of dark, kind of interesting sound designy techno. Um, And um, yeah, just check me into SoundCloud. You'll find some stuff, but um, I'm focusing more on pizza hotline now. Um, I like that kind of music still, but I'm putting all my energy into Pizza Hotline and I'm just going to try and 
do as much as I can and try to make as much music as I can, because at the moment I'm really feeling very passionate about this kind of music. So I, I want to make hay while the sun shines. Cause like, I don't know about you, but I can't really control what I'm passionate about. It just kind of happens. <laughs> yeah, when you have that spark, you just got to use it for all it's worth because you never know when it'll come again. Yeah, exactly. And like in two years, I might not be interested in this music. That's unlikely, but that has happened. I'm quite a, like a, a pick it up, get as much as I can out of it and throw it away kind of person. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm on to the next thing, but Right. I feel like with this style of music, it's going to be a long sustained thing. And uh, next, the most recent thing that's happening uh, next would be um, I'm launching merchandise. Uh, so I'm doing uh, level select t-shirts and another line of level, level select cassettes. Um, they're going to come out this Friday, actually. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, then they've already come out yeah um, this podcast will probably be going up like the following week after we've done okay. this recording so they'll cool be so maybe maybe you've picked up a tape maybe you've seen them um i'm just going to do an open pre-order to see how many orders come in um but I, f- I feel like it might go well hopefully um and you know i can get some cool tapes out there um but yeah i and, and i think m- moving on to the next album i have loads of ideas for it um the first album was very ps1 centric I'm tempted to make the second album very PS2 centric, but mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if I want to have the second album as a heavy concept album. Maybe I'll just make some music and see what it sounds like and I just have a general album. I don't really know yet. I, I don't tend to kind of plan this stuff. I just make it. And then when it's all made, I step back and look at it. And then I kind of have an idea of what it should be. If you know what I mean? I, yeah. Sure. Um, that's what happened with level select. I didn't really have a, serious concept planned but it just ended up that way um i was just making music that i thought sounded cool and i wanted to make it to feel like i was inserted in the narrative that i was trying to explore i guess um that narrative of background music that is playing while you're selecting a character or selecting a level Mm. and i was trying to reinsert that like i was trying to insert that into like a modern electronic music um construct or uh, context um that's what i wanted to do with it and give it like a new life as a, a per se that's yeah. kind of what i was doing but i didn't really know i was doing that at the time yeah, I was just making I think music. Managed. <laughs> thanks um yeah but um yeah i'm excited for excited for the future really yeah it's, it's got me thinking like what is the specific sound of ps2 games it's, it's a hard one that because yeah. i've been i've so been diverse. digging that, well, it's it's diverse because it's got the biggest cat catalog um, or the biggest library of any console that has ever existed. Um, it's got like over 4,000 different games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think what is the anchoring Sonic palette for it would probably be the the BIOS sounds. Uh-huh. So the, the sounds that are in within the console. And oh, then the- like the main menus. Yes, that's iconic. So iconic and so stylish and so distinct. I think for me, that is the sound of the PS2 rather than its library. Um, And I think that like, well, I don't know what I was trying to say there, but what I wanted to say was, um, have you ever sat and listened to the ambience? I mean, you have probably loads of times when you were younger. Oh yeah, when I was younger, not not these days. I'd have have to go back. You can go on YouTube and just type in PS2 ambience and there's like a two hour long video and I used to put it on and go to sleep to it. And it's so amazing. And it's really nice. It's really cool. Um, 
and uh yeah so i i I think I want to incorporate stuff like that into it and and oh, I don't know just there's so many ideas I just don't even know I'm just gonna just make some music and see what happens but um as for the sound of the PS2 it'd probably be that wouldn't it um and if you do you, do you make music no I've I've always wished I could I played guitar when I was a teenager but it didn't really stick with me so <laughs> Well, you never know. I wouldn't like cast it off because using software can be amazingly intuitive. And yeah. and like there's people I know who would never even dare pick up an instrument that can make amazing music with software. And by no means is that like we're past that in humanity, I think, where, where well, there's a lot of people who think this, but like if you don't play a real instrument, then you're not a real musician. That's the most archaic and strange way yeah. to look at it, I think. I think that's just people hanging on to like odd hundred year old traditions. Okay. Um, but um, you don't, no one should ever feel that way. But um, you should definitely just pop some software, even if it's very simple software, you could just begin making stuff with. Um, if you, only if you fancy it, really. Oh, I'd but, love um, to try. Yeah, you've you've definitely got me thinking now about getting mm, mm. Or, or go on a course. Uh, go oh, yeah. on like a, a short course, like an evening course. We do one day a week, learning how to make stuff with Logic or Ableton or something. Um, you'll if you like video games, you'll be really good at using a DAW. You really will. Okay. Yeah, I'll try it for sure. So. I guess starting to wrap up now, uh, you probably also know this question, which is a very important question, given uh, that we are both pizza heads, and that is, <laughs> where is your favorite pizza place? Ah, my favorite pizza place. It changes, you know. Um, at the moment, there is this place in London. It's not going to be anywhere that maybe you, you know, cause it's like, I think this place. Oh no, in... that's, that's what I'm more interested in. Don't. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be a pizza slut or anything. Um, <laughs> but I, I, in all honesty, I haven't eaten pizza hut in like 15 years. I don't know what it tastes like. I can't remember, but um, there is a place uh, in London and because or for pizza, it's like, it's not all about the best pizza. It's like a pizza that's good, but it isn't too expensive. And isn't to this, that, or the other. It's, right. it's you know, because you can get a flawless pizza for like twice the amount of any other pizza. But for me, it's all about a, 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 a well-priced pizza, you know, sure. that maybe won't be quite as good, but, you know, decent. Uh, there's this place called Il Basilio. It's I-L-B-A-C-I-L-I-O, I think. Mm -hmm. I just found it on delivery. It's like eight pounds for a margarita Ooh. and it's like a wood fired margarita and it's so good. Um, that's really nice. But if, if you, if you visit London, um, there is a chain here, but it's like a kind of trendy chain, mm -hmm. a chain with like higher standards than a normal fast food place. And it's called Franco Manca. Um, do they have it in the States? No, never heard of it. I think it's Franco Manca or Franca Manca, Franco Manca. Um, and their pizza's really good. It's all sourdough pizza. And um, that's like trendy hipster pizza, which yeah. is undeniably delicious. Um, but their pizzas are kind of getting on for the like, you know, 12, 13 kind of pound area, which is no problem with if it's good. Um, but then at the same time, you know, we are all in that kind of scenario where we want a real greasy, cheap ass kind of like, oh, yeah, just big, cheap, deliciously good stuff <laughs> budget. Yeah. And there's this place called emparo pizza and i live in finsbury park in london in north london and there's this place called emparo pizza and it's like a 17 or 18 inch pizza for like 10 pounds it's giant and um 
it's a it's a dirty old thing i gotta say but um, <laughs> i've been seen to enjoy one of those but um maybe it might interest you as to where i got the name pizza hotline oh yeah uh it's actually a pizza place um in south london my no girlfriend kidding. used to live yeah um <clears throat> but i didn't mention it when you asked me for my favorite pizza i didn't mention it and it's because the pizza is terrible oh no uh <laughs> so bad it's so bad but they've got the coolest um signage it's like a like basically like three or four years ago my girlfriend it's it's in a place called hern hill in south london Mm. and my girlfriend lived there and by pizza hotline and i came around the corner and i saw it in the dark and it has a neon sign a red neon sign that says pizza hotline and there's a telephone like at those old kind of 1950s like uh are they called like a, a, a phone with a ring on it yeah rot- rotary phone and it has that it's just the most amazing signage and cool. i was obsessed with this place but i wasn't obsessed with the pizza i was obsessed with like the way it looked <laughs> and i used to buy the pizza uh when i was out drinking or when i was drunk only when i was drunk and it would just turn <laughs> into this like inside joke in my house where like i'd buy it eat it completely regret it and feel sick the next morning and like I would just continuously do it. And um and I just I had to stop. But anyway, I'm gonna go check it out one day and just try one of the pizzas, but I'm pretty confident they're still gonna be awful. I hope they've improved, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pizza hotline. If you want to see a picture of it, there's a picture of it on my Instagram oh. um, of the original, the original pizza hotline place. But um it's quite a common name for a pizza place. Um I've been Googling it and like because I was a bit worried that like I'm taking that name and it belongs to other businesses, but there's like so many of them. Oh yeah. Um, I had to a- like specifically when I was Googling stuff to think of interview questions, I had to specifically put in pizza hotline level select or pizza hotline <laughs> musician in order to get your stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And I'm going through this problem at the moment because I want to have a website or just like a landing page and like all every variation of Pizza Hotline you can imagine has already been gobbled up. <laughs> so like I'm I'm just trying to be a bit creative with the URL. Um, yeah, to come up with a new one that's not too complicated. Yeah. So I have to think about. Anyway, what's your what's your favorite pizza? Oh, uh, I mean, Back in New York, I've probably mentioned it before where I'm from, there's this great place. I think there are like three of them. It started in Connecticut, but it expanded into New York and it's called Frank Pepe's and they have this great thin slice. It's kind of cut into a square and it's, they have these pies that are tomato pies, which is just tomato sauce and like garlic. And that's really good. But they- I'm looking at a picture of one right now carry on it's amazing it's i miss it so much being out here in california now hopefully when i go back for the holidays i can have some we'll see oh i'm gonna i'm gonna check out when i go to new york next i'm gonna go oh yeah it looks really authentic it is this is what the place i was talking about that il il basilio is just so authentic and their pizzas they don't put loads of crap all over them it's just very few ingredients right i love that all right, well, when I go to London, I'll check that out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, how much does Frank charge you for a, a pizza? I don't remember. Uh, uh, it's kind of moderate. I would say it's, you know, on the slightly higher side, higher than average, but mm-hmm. not ridiculously expensive. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've, I, I like New York. It's um, it's cool. I've been a couple of times, but I've never really sampled the pizza. I know it's probably a crime. Oh, you got it. 
<laughs> I know, I know. I can't wait to go back. Uh, I, hopefully, I'll go soon. But um, I love America. I absolutely love it. I've been quite a few times. Mm. I love the people and I love the food. And I, I just love how the culture is so varied and different. And it's just so big. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's definitely one of the things that I like about my country, even though I'm sure we all have our criticisms with the countries that we live in. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, the diversity, the feeling of like a melting pot in the United States and that just that feeling of like, you know, everybody's all working towards the same thing, even though we come from different backgrounds. I like yeah. that. That's lovely. And like, I got that vibe in, in New York big time. Oh, especially New York. Yeah, that's where yeah. you see the most, I would say. I love, I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, cool. Cool. So yeah, thank you so much for joining me, Harvey. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, if you want to plug your stuff one more time, so people. Yeah, thank, th yeah so thanks for having me. Um, sure. Lovely to chat with you and learn more about you and yeah, likewise. Um, what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to listening to more of your episodes. Uh, I checked out a few this week and they were great. Um, so if you want to look me up, um, the best way is probably on, I mean, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I don't have Facebook because it's a messy hellhole of a thing oh. that I don't want to do with anymore. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, Instagram or Twitter, just type in pizza hotline. You should find me. Um, probably the easiest way to find any of my stuff is to just go on YouTube and type in. I think if you just type in pizza hotline, it comes up. Um, although I can't um, trust that because all of the things we're offered are tailored to us so heavily. Oh, that's true. So if you type in pizza hotline level select, you'll find my album. Um, on this channel called 4am breaks and from there you can grab all of the um all of the links in the description but um apart from that that's me and um yes yeah, amazing to chat with you jared absolutely thanks so much again this has been really awesome and this has been another great episode of pixel pizza come back next week for another slice as i like to say <laughs> we are ending off with another track from Level Select, and this is Shadow Moses. <laughs>